0: Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. I am nervous and I am perplexed. I am nervous about the U.S. election. I'll tell you why and why so many other Canadians are and what you need to look for in the results tonight as they come pouring in. And I'm perplexed about Charles McVitie and Canada Christian College. All of that plus my co anchor Far Nasser from Washington DC. Let's get to the podcast. Why do I feel this way? Why am I so nervous? I do you feel nervous? Are you are you a little bit skittish? Are you neurotic, hysterical, timid, tense, edgy, anxious, highly strung? Excitable? Any of those things? Just because of the US election? You heard in the news about how all of us are feeling this amped up nervousness because the Americans are finally going to the polls in the most Byzantine and opaque electoral system in the world. And we're all just all around the world, all of us watching, waiting. We're going to get into what the polls are telling us. We're going to tell you what to watch for tonight, how to watch, because as you heard in the newscast right there, that... As the results come in tonight, we may see one candidate way out in front. Next thing you know, another candidate, different candidate, pulls out in front. And then there's the specter of the fact that we could all go to bed thinking that one person has won. And then days down the road, more votes come in and it flips back the other way. And what kind of chaos would that be? This is not 2000. We have, we're have we in a different place than 2,000 when we had that contested election where the Supreme Court decided that George W. Bush should be president. We're going to take you to Pennsylvania. We're going to dig into what to look for tonight. All of that coming up with the uh, School of Monk, or the Monk School of uh, Affairs. Pardon me, I'm just I'm messing up. The Monk School of Global Affairs. Uh, Professor Peter Lohan is going to join me in just a couple of moments to talk about what to expect tonight in the U.S. election and how to interpret the results as they come in. But I'm not only nervous, I'm also flummoxed. I'm baffled, I'm bewildered, and mystified, I'm bemused, and perplexed, and I'm puzzled. All of those things. And the reason I am all of those things is because today, from the provincial government, we are going to hear about easing off of restrictions, new zones, ways that we can open up the economy now that is different than the modified stage two that we have for Toronto, Peel, York, and Ottawa. Let's get you to the numbers because this is baffling that we're actually having this conversation when you look at the numbers and realize we set another record today with 1,050 cases, new cases, in the province of Ontario, don't freak out. Yeah, I know that's a big number, but remember, it's only about 100 more than yesterday, so it's, it's, it's not like it's spiked wildly. Nevertheless, that case number comes with only 25,000 tests, and I talk quite a bit about why is it our test numbers cannot get back to where they were. It's time for a change on this. Pay attention to this going forward in the next week or so. I know you all you want to talk about is the U.S. election. We'll get to it. But pay attention to this testing number in the next week or so because the Ontario government is going to have to change its criteria about testing if it wants to get that test number up. And if the test numbers are going down and the case numbers are going up, that means likely we don't really know what's going on. Or at least there are likely more cases than we know about. Hospitalizations up by 29. That's obviously concerning the Toronto number, 400 and eight this as as i mentioned the province about to talk more about some kind of uh, zone restrictions and i feel for the premier yesterday Uh, The premier was asked in one question about where's the evidence about continuing to shut down bars and in-restaurant dining because the transmission evidence that we have from the province shows that that's not happening in those sectors. So how come those sectors are shut down? And then the very next question, it's about, well, you listen, why are you even considering lifting restrictions because of the case numbers? And the premier's like, are you kidding me? Can't win. Of course you can't win. And the job of the premier, of course, is to, you know, find the line down the middle and be able to chart that course as he listens to the medical experts and also business leaders. And for that, that I understand for the premier. I am not flummoxed about that. What I am absolutely mystified about is that the premier of this province would allow himself, would allow his government to take the kind of political hit it continues to take over the Charles McVitie affair. My thinking is, I don't understand that. Dr. Williams doesn't get it, and I don't get it either. Let's give you a little quick background, catch up to date. Charles McVitie, evangelist, the president of something called the Canada Christian College in Oshawa, Mr. McVitie, is described as a homophobe, an Islamophobe, he is very right on the political uh, spectrum. He's a social conservative, has railed against same-sex education, has railed against LGBTQ issues. And the government has in a bill, that is supposed to cut red tape for the pandemic, has introduced a bill into the House that would give Charles McVitie's Canada Christian College the right to grant degrees for a Bachelor in Science and a Bachelor of Arts. And this, even before an independent body has assessed whether or not Canada Christian College should be allowed to do that. And all of this has just raised a furor. Because Mr. McVitie is not only controversial... But he is also a friend and political supporter of Doug Ford and helped Doug Ford win the leadership of the PC party. And then after that, of course, Doug Ford went on to become premier. So all of it is not great in terms of optics. And yesterday there was a question to the premier, and I want to play this for you, because this is a a great question. And I'm always... I'm always amazed at someone who asks questions for a living, how really tough it is to ask sometimes a great question, one that gets you a really good answer. This is a question from Graham Richardson, who is the anchor uh, in Ottawa at CTV. Mr. Richardson, Graham, uh, used to be the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News, a position that I have also held uh, that is currently held by Travis Stanrash. So he knows Queen's Park. Listen to this question here from Grant Richardson to Doug Ford and how he starts it off here, a little bit of flattery, and then brings the hammer down.
1: There's some suggestion that uh, your numbers have gone up in terms of your approval rating for the way you've handled the pandemic situation. I I don't understand, though, why you don't just cut this McVeady thing off. Like, you could do it with the stroke of a pen. And people who maybe didn't vote for you before were looking at this uh, pandemic response saying hey maybe he's uh maybe he's someone i could i could look at and then this mcvetty thing comes up and it just it doesn't seem to make sense why don't you just shut it down well they're going to go through the process y- you know I, I i believe everyone should have an opportunity to go through the process process and uh they're going through the process and let's find out what happens when pcap makes a decision we'll we'll make a decision from there
0: that is Doug Ford responding, and you heard him say PCAB, that is the acronym for the independent body that is uh, deciding whether or not uh, Charles McVitie, 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 I, I don't know, Graham, I don't know where he gets McVitie from. McVitie, where Charles McVitie, uh, PCAB, again, is that independent body that will determine whether or not Canada Christian College uh, is qualified to hand out degrees, and the government says, well, we're not going to proclaim this legislation into law. It's just a bill. We're not going to proclaim it into law until that process is complete. And of course, the question is, well, why why is it in there in the first place? But what a question. Why would you do this? I mean, I am perplexed. What is the upside here? The provincial government is just getting hammered on this. Again, in the House today, the NDP, on the attack against the provincial government over the McVitie affair, going on to point out, wait a second, Canada Christian College, do you know what? It is actually a registered charity. Here's the NDP in the House. The CCC
1: calls itself a registered charity, but those financial statements they've scrubbed from the web show the charity is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on line items like travel and automotives. Photos that have suspiciously been scrubbed from the Internet show Charles McVitie and his immediate family using the quads, jet skis, and pleasure craft of Canada Christian College for their own personal use. They even referred to this equipment as, quote, new toys.
0: Let us trust Natasha of the NDP, the Ontario NDP, in the house today, pointing out the toys that Canada Christian College has enjoyed, the president and his family have enjoyed. Dr. McVitie, if you listened to the program yesterday, dug into the fact that Charles McVitie often refers to himself as a doctor, and his doctorate comes from a unaccredited and unrecognized Christian school in California. I don't understand that. I don't get it either. A real doctor weighed in right there. That's Dr. Williams. If you would like to listen to that program, you can always hear it on the podcast. This program is available as a podcast. Just go to all your favorite potty stores and you can check that out from yesterday or if you ever miss anything you want to hear again because, man, it goes by. Life comes at you quick, doesn't it? So I'm flummoxed. I'm perplexed. Why is it that this provincial government and this premier has decided to take this kind of heat and to expend this kind of political capital on a school like Canada Christian College or on a guy like Charles McVitie? It makes no sense And indeed, I am absolutely disorientated about it, as I went back to my thesaurus one more time. Just how weird are things in the United States as Americans go to the polls? Well, over the course of the weekend, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff held an off-the-record video call with top generals and network news anchors to tamp down any speculation about potential military involvement in the presidential election. That according to website Axios this morning. Trump will be at the White House this morning as the results come in this morning. He was on Fox and Friends called in this morning. Very hoarse sounding president. Here he is talking about polling and the possibility of him declaring early victory. When there's
1: victory, if there's victory, I think I think we'll have victory. I think the the polls are, you know, suppression balls, and I think we'll have victory, but only when there's victory. I mean, you know, there's no reason to play games.
0: No reason to play games, says Donald Trump. There has been speculation that Trump will declare victory as soon as he takes even one state. As soon as he leads in the electoral college, he will just simply declare victory. There has been speculation about that. Joe Biden will spend Election Day campaigning in his hometown of Scranton. He'll also be in Philadelphia. He'll be meeting voters in both of those cities. And speaking of volunteers in Scranton, Biden joked that his win in Dixville, New Hampshire, is a good sign. We're the first person,
1: I'm told, to win it unanimously. All five votes. So, 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 so based on Trump's notion... I'm going to
0: declare victory right now. That was Joe Biden riffing on the early declared victory uh, thing that I was just talking about. The uh, polling aggregate site 538 uh, predicting right now that uh, in 90 out of 100 times as it runs a bunch of scenarios, Biden wins. And I will caution you that that does not mean that there is a 90% chance that Biden will win tonight. It's just that as you look to the path to victory... As you play it out and game it out with the various polls, 90 out of 100 times, it ends in a Biden victory. That does not mean there is not a path back to the White House and to stay in the White House for Donald Trump. That does exist. To get a better sense of what we should be looking for tonight as all the results come in and why it is especially we should be watching Pennsylvania I am pleased to welcome to the program Professor Peter Lowen from the Monk School of Global Affairs. Welcome, Professor.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, have you had a triple espresso? Because I think you might be up late tonight.
1: I am uh, I'm far beyond three coffees at this point, yeah.
0: <laughs> what do you think is going to happen in terms of when we will find out about Pennsylvania? There's 20 electoral votes there, and it may not be for days and days that we actually know which way that state goes.
1: Yeah, it may not be for days and days. A couple of things to say about it. One is that um, we rarely know the final, you know, kind of certified result of elections in American states the night of the night of the election. Takes a, it takes a long time to cast all the ballots because American election administration is very kind of um, let's call it haphazard or or, or or localized. Let's put it let's put it that way. Um, and the other bit is that, you know, because Pennsylvania is worth so many votes, so many electoral college votes that the candidates are going to want to be triply sure whether they have won it or not, and the margin there is pretty tight. For people who are watching at home, the two kind of keystone states, Pennsylvania is literally the keystone state, but the other is Florida. And if you see both of those states trending hard towards one candidate or the other, that's really an omen. Particularly if they are going to Biden, there's no path for Trump to win the election. Um, if Trump is winning both of those states, there is a path for him to come back to win the election against, uh, against Biden. So Pennsylvania and Florida, I think uh, you know, Biden's a little bit more of a lead in, in Pennsylvania, but there's a lot of uncertainty about how ballots will be counted there. So Pennsylvania and Florida are, are the two big states to watch.
0: In, in terms of timing for the night, we have polls closing, I believe, in Georgia first at 7 p.m. Then we have a couple more states at 7.30. and is it, I think it's 8 that Florida closes, and, and we should get those results and complete results from Florida fairly quickly.
1: You should. Florida is a funny state, A, because most of the state closes at 7, but the panhandle of Florida is in the is in the central time zone, so it closes at 8 p.m., uh, 7 p.m. local time. So it takes a while there, and just for what it's worth, you know, back in 2000, the networks called Florida early for gore, even when the panhandle had not finished voting, and people were that was a, kind of a real point of contention uh, against the network. So they will be very reluctant to call Florida until all the voting is done there at 8 p.m., um, Toronto time so we'll see about Florida and you know you want to see where Miami-dade is what that county is doing and if you're really watching watch the Gulf Coast counties and if they're trending towards Biden then it's a then it's a it's a, it's a big night for Biden and not for can, Trump.
0: can Trump win without Florida
1: very hard um, if he if he doesn't win Florida um, uh, don't hold me to this but if he doesn't win Florida he's got to win Pennsylvania Georgia and then he's got to I think win two of the three maybe all three of North Carolina Michigan Wisconsin so it becomes a very difficult path for Trump if he doesn't win uh, Florida. It's t- Florida's worth 29 Electoral College votes, right? So it's a 58-vote swing out of out of Florida, and you only need 270 to win. So Florida is uh, Florida's kind of, you know, Florida gets you more than 10% of the way there.
0: And how much attention should we be paying to Michigan and Ohio? Those are two states that often we watch very closely in presidential elections.
1: Yeah, Ohio is. Ohio has been. The, it's a great question. Ohio has been the um, has been kind of the bellwether state for a long time. It's it, it looks pretty solidly red or Republican this time. So I don't think anybody's got the toss up of Ohio built into their models now. It's going to go to Trump. Michigan's going to matter a lot. So if Trump can't win Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, you know, Florida doesn't matter, right? So so if you're kind of watching five six states tonight, you watch Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina. And that kind of tells you where the election is, where the election is going. Biden gets all those, and he's the president uh, in January.
0: We we still are suffering from a hangover from 2016, where there's a perception, at least, that the polls were entirely wrong. There were some polls that were wrong. I think we've blown that somewhat out of proportion as the years have gone by. But does it mean that you know what happened in 2016? Does it mean that we must? discount or at least take with a very large grain of salt all the polling we see now?
1: It's a really good question. So I'll just I'll say three really quick things about it. The first is that polls weren't wrong in twenty sixteen. You know, if you look at what the polls were predicting for Michigan and Wisconsin, they were predicting very close races, right? And those were very close races. Trump won those two states by seventy thousand votes, a little over seventy thousand votes combined. So they weren't wrong there, but polls can be wrong overall. Um and they were wrong about who they predicted for the electoral college winner in 2016. As a result of that, that's the second point. The third one is that that I think that you know it doesn't take us that long to uh, to wait and see what the actual results are. You know, so we'll see at the end of this election. The difficulty is is that is that polling is a rapidly changing industry. Um, you know, and a lot of actors have incentives to frankly not be credible about the kind of polls that they put out. Most polls are credible because most polling firms depend on credible polls to do their business. But there are some out there who want to predict an election victory in one way or another to enthuse their supporters or discourage others. So it's important to take these things, I think, just with a, with a, with a grain of um, with a grain of salt, particularly in an environment as, as polarized and partisan as the United States.
0: I'm speaking with Professor Peter Loewen from the Monk School of Global Affairs. And a final question for your Professor, as we look uh, forward this week, obviously we don't know what's going to happen tonight, but discounting a Biden landslide. And I know that there are some that are predicting that, but coming out of tonight, if we do not have a clear, unambiguous winner either way, give me a sense of how you see the rest of this week and in the next week of unfolding.
1: Well, that's that's a very good question. So I think that I think a lot of it depends on President Trump's reaction and a lot of it depends on the reaction of other of other Republicans. So there's a lot of other Republicans who are going to be in close run races, like a lot of Senate races. Right. And I think if you see a lot of those senators in close races, but they're but they're ahead and they see that Trump is behind, they may just say, look, we just want to get like, let's let's rid the party of this guy. Let's just say, look, the election's over. Right. Trump has lost. All of us won. It's over. And, and and they may be the ones that put the death knell to Trump, right? To sort of say, you lost this race, but we won ours. Let's let's effectively stop the con- contesting the election outcomes, and let's just you know let's just move on from it. If they don't do that, and even if they do do that, there is a possibility that Trump really starts to try to, because he's reckless, starts to just kind of ferment a lot of dissent and tell people the election's being stolen from you, and encourage them towards violence and. You know, I think that that's a that's a real concern. In two thousand there was a lot of little dust ups in Florida around counting places and there was there was some you know, there was some some kind of low level conflict there. I think America's on in a heightened state of conflict now and the potential for people to feel like the election's being stolen from them and to have Trump push that is quite high. So I think we have to watch what Republican leaders do in response to the election outcome as we understand it tomorrow. And we have to look at what uh, what President Trump does, and I think we all, for the benefit of democracy, have got to hope that whatever happens, there's a you know a smooth continuation or a smooth transition of power.
0: Professor Peter Lowen from the Monk School of Global Affairs, great talking with you. I appreciate that, and I hope you don't have to stay up all night tonight. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, we don't have a vote in the U.S. election as Canadians, but we as a nation are watching very closely, as is the rest of the world. And a new poll finds that 80% of Canadians want. Do you want to guess, anybody? 80% of Canadians want which candidate? I think this one's a no-brainer. 80% of Canadians want Joe Biden to win you the got U.S. president. You're kidding me. Joe, come on, Doug. You can talk at one o'clock, all right, please? Thank you. But do you know that a change in the White House administration does not necessarily mean better things for Canada? And this is something that's often lost on Canadians is that Democratic White Houses tend to be a little bit more protectionist on some issues that are very important to Canada. You know, obviously, Donald Trump is a different kind of cat, so to speak you know, with the tariffs on Canadian aluminum and so on. But Joe Biden has made it clear that if he wins tonight, he's going to cancel Keystone XL. The Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, said that our government here in Canada is preparing for all possible outcomes. In other words, we're trying not to say anything. We're not going to say a thing in the days, and Lord knows, maybe even the weeks after tonight. We may just be like, well, well, that was, we congratulate Americans. We congratulate all of you. Get back to us when you figure out who won. What do Americans think about it? Here are some American voters talking about how they're feeling about the election.
1: My personal view is that it's all a spiritual battle, that it's really um, fighting in the heavenlies, that, that... President Trump is doing a really, really good job of trying to bring us together and bring us back to where America, the United States, was founded as one nation under
0: God. I have friends that are Democrats, I have friends that are Republicans, and the divide, the contentious divide is unbelievable. I'm 72 years old and I've never seen anything like this. My co-anchor, Farah Nasser, is in Washington, D.C., covering the election and joins me on the line. Hi, Farah. Hi. So you spoke to—those are some of the uh, voters that you spoke to yesterday. It's uh, a fight in the heavens. Uh, Did you hear that more than once, that sort of evangelical Christian approach to uh, the election, or at least thoughts about the election?
2: Uh, I certainly did. I certainly did. I spoke to one um, voter who's voting for Trump who believes that God sent Donald Trump uh, to America— um, I was walking around the National Mall on the weekend, and uh, there was, uh, you know, a lot of prayer, uh, a lot of prayer, I guess, circles or broadcasts, I'm not sure what they were, but um, quite a few of those, and it was that same kind of rhetoric that, you know, God has chosen this, God God chose Amy Coney Barrett, and, um, you know, this is all kind of made in the heavens. So there's a, there's a large population of evangelicals in this country who see it that way.
0: And that's always so interesting to me as, as someone who was, you know, raised in, in a evangelical church, is that, you know, Donald Trump is about as far away from uh, what you would perceive as Christian as you can possibly be.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, the idea, and, he's, and you know that from his tweets, like he's been, even yesterday, he was talking about Christian voters and Christian values. And I think uh, for people here, there are a lot of these, these huge issues that the United States has grappled with over the years, things like Roe v. Wade and, and, and those type of things. And that was even brought up when I passed this, this uh, you know, prayer circle. So I think that, um, you know, we, we may not hear that view in mainstream media in um, Canada, but it certainly exists here and it certainly could have an influence on tonight's results.
0: What's uh, your plan for tonight? I know you're broadcasting uh, not far from the White House. Uh, what, what's the, the plan for you?
2: So I am going to, uh, right now, go to a polling station to speak to some voters. I want to understand what their concerns are, because, I mean, afterwards, uh, what will happen? So are they concerned this will be contested? There's really a nervous energy here, Alan. Like, i have looking to a Biden supporter who said, they're actually taking the day off tomorrow, just to kind of process everything that that they're afraid is going to happen tonight. So uh, we're going to do that, and then tonight uh, I'll be on with you, and we are doing a special. Uh, Donna Friesen and myself. I'm going to start it off at seven o'clock, um, and uh, that'll be on Amazon Prime, on Global on our Global TV app, and it will be on uh, all the AM stations, including the one where you're listening to us on um, across the country. And uh, then it, I'm going to bed uh, hopefully early, which probably won't happen. And then Donna Friesen takes over. <laughs> The special at ten. Uh, yeah, I think I'll be up all night, but uh, I'll join you also all in the morning um, on on global news uh, radio and TV stations.
0: And I, I, I mean, it, it sounds like you know Biden is saying uh, under no circumstance, uh, uh, you know, will they allow Trump to declare himself a winner overnight, you know, or, or tonight. Uh, yeah. Trump even saying, I, I'm sure you heard on Fox and Friends this mm-hmm. morning saying that. You know, he doesn't believe there's any reason for games to declare himself a winner if he's not the winner because he's going to be the winner. But I I think that's certainly at play tonight, is it not?
2: Yeah, that's, I think, the concern. I heard you heard him on Fox and Friends. He sounded pretty tired this He <laughs> didn't um, sound but, good. Yeah, but, but I, you know, I think that that was the biggest concern because he's been, he's been laying this groundwork, right? Like, we've heard this rhetoric even in the even in the debates we heard this this type of thing, right? So I think that is the biggest concern. I'm a Biden supporter. I heard an interview with uh, Hillary Clinton during the fall, and um, she was telling uh, Biden, you know, under no circumstances do you concede fight till the very, very end. And who knows when the end will be because we know you know, in 2000 with Wish and Gore, it's 36 days uh, for Gore to concede. So, you know, will we get will we get answers in the next few days? Will it be weeks? Um, and I think that's America is a country that, that's already on edge, that's kind of teetering here. And so, you know, every week it's, it's just going to be, become Americans are more nervous or more anxious about what's going to happen.
0: And and the polling, you know, we've talked a lot about polling and there's so much polling out there and there's, you know, most people don't really believe anything that they see, whether it's one way or the other with the polls, considering what happened in 2016. But did you see the poll? I think this is my favorite poll so far. Did you see the poll that the New York Times did yesterday about names? Did you see that?
2: No, I didn't see it. I didn't
0: see it. Tell me. Okay, so what it does is it breaks down the top ten, the the most common female names, top ten female names, and top ten common male names, and then looks at the vote preferences for each. So essentially, if you have this name, then you are more likely to vote one way or the other. I'm just going to take you through a couple of them. Who do you think Richard, who are the Richards going to vote for? The Dicks.
2: Hmm. Trump.
0: Sixty-four percent Trump supporters. Yes. All right. What
2: about Karen, was Karen on there? Are you oh,
0: you that? know Karen's on there. Uh, <laughs> you want to take a guess on who the Karens are going to vote for?
2: Karen, Karen, I would. Oh God, I don't know. Because uh, some Karens like are, are do-gooders, right? Like they want to. They want to change the world. They're they're that kind of. So I don't know. I'm really divided on the Karen. Uh, okay, let, let's go with Trump.
0: I'm sorry, but Karen's 60% Biden supporters. Ugh, the Karens the, the Karens are, are in the Biden camp. I got a 50-50 for you, though, here. Here's a couple of 50-50s. Okay. These are the people, if you have this name, you don't know who you're going to vote for. Joseph and Christopher. If you're a mm. Joseph or you're a Christopher, you're 50-50 one way or the other. Here's a I shocker. That. I know this is going to come as a shock to you. Farah is not within the 10 most common uh, female names.
2: I was just going to say, are there any ethnic names on that list? <laughs> zero. It's Let just, me ask zero. Listen, single... I, I'm the one who's always, like, try to get souvenirs with my name on it. I never find it anywhere. <laughs> not Farah is anywhere. Ugh. But Farah is such a common name. I guess it is in, in some countries. In I mean, some yeah.
0: countries. Yeah, I think them common last name. So, yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to uh, your broadcast tonight. We'll see you on the air tonight at five thirty. Far. Thanks. Nice chatting. Nice chatting with you as well. Thanks so much for listening. The Alan Carter Show is live on the air, noon to one weekdays. See you soon.